This morning's scripture, <clears throat> excuse me, again, comes from the 8th chapter of Romans, verses 37 through 39. <clears throat> know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The Word of God, let us pray. Most gracious God, we come to a very powerful passage this morning. And Father, we pray that you would renew again these words in our hearts. Help us to understand their breadth and width and depth so that we can cling to these words in good times and in difficult times. We pray, Father, that these words would bring us confidence for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. And yet at the same time, Lord, we pray that these words would cause those that don't love you to search their hearts, to dig deep and examine their relationship with you. And Father, I pray that the words I speak be not mine this morning, but be yours and glorify you. For it is in Christ's name we pray. Amen. As has been the case with the entire section or entire chapter of Romans 8, it's meant to serve as encouragement, a great deal of confidence, this passage that we look at this morning. But we also know that it only applies to a certain group of people. And I think I've said that every week for the past month and a half or so. We have to understand that this passage does not apply to everyone. And if you think that it does apply to everyone, then you miss it altogether. Last week we looked at a litany of different events that Paul assured us cannot separate us from the love of God. And we discussed what the love of God means. And I want us to go back with that for just a few moments. Because we have to understand, A, what the love of God means and how it can be interpreted differently. The love of God culminates in eternal life. That is the object, that is the goal that God has for us. Because love in and of itself is defined by spending time with who you love. If you truly love someone or something, you spend time with it. If you don't spend time with it or him or her, that love fades. It's just the way it is. God's love for us and the culmination of that love is to spend eternity with us. And so that's the goal of the love of God that we're dealing with here today. Love manifests itself by 
us spending time with God and Him spending time with us. And that is the ultimate end all of eternal life. So when you see things said, or Paul saying things, that this cannot separate us from the love of God, he's basically saying this cannot separate us from eternal life, which is the culmination of God's love for us. And if we don't understand that, then we miss the premise of these verses altogether. They don't have the same effect. We also talked about God's loving believers different from unbelievers. And I think that is a premise that we have to see as we go into this passage. And we had to see before we could look at last week's passage. Because if we take the tact that God loves everybody the same, believer, unbeliever, church, non-church, then these verses do not have their intended effect. They don't. There is a different special type of love that God has for His elect. And as I said last week, He's coming back for the church. He's not coming back for unbelievers. Sorry. And so, as is often the case, we read these passages that I read to you a few moments ago, and we think, well, yeah, God loves everybody, and nothing's going to separate anybody from the love of God. Sorry, folks, it doesn't work like that. There are people that are right now separated from this type of love of God, and will die, and will be separated from the love of God. The focus of this passage is on believers, those in verse 28, that love God and are called according to His purpose. Those in verse 30, that He foreknew, that He predestined, that He called, that He justified, and that He glorified. That is the group of people that can hold to these beautiful promises. And if you're in that group, praise God this morning. If you're not, ask yourself why. Because that's the question that we all have to make real with ourselves. He's referring to a deep love. The love of His church. The love of the elect. And that culminates in eternal life. He's wanting us to be confident in our eternal security. That's the goal. That's the, Paul's goal here. Know this. That that eternal life is secure. And he's telling us what can't steal it. He doesn't tell us that so we can go on sinning and claim there's there's no consequences. That's not the go. And that's not why he's telling us that. And if you believe that, you're missing it entirely. He's telling us that so that we can go on loving him and serving him with the free spirit, not worried that I'm going to do something to screw this up. I hope you can see that if you're you're in a, a love type relationship with someone and you're constantly afraid that you're going to say something or do something to screw up that relationship, it becomes a burden, doesn't it? It's very burdensome, and at the end of it all, you may say, it ain't worth it. I'm done. Because that's not a, a, a free ability to just love that person. And that's our relationship with God. 
He wants us just to love him, just straight up love him and mimic him and try to be like him and worship him. But if I'm constantly worried that I'm going to say or do something to screw all this up, then that squelches my ability to really have a relationship with him. But Paul's saying, no, you can't do anything to screw it up. So you are free to love him like no one else. And that is the gist of these verses that we've looked at last week that we're looking at this morning. Verse 37. No. That was the questions that he had posed above, remember? What shall separate you from the love of God? Will all these things separate you? So he answers that, no. In all these things, in all of those things, we are more than conquerors. Well, you can read that and not take the time to slow walk over it, but we're not going to do that. More than conquerors. So if we defeat those things, it means we're conquerors, but he says we're more than conquerors. So how, are, how is it that we are actually more than a conqueror? A conqueror, after all, is ultimately successful, Right? Whatever the battle is or whatever the war is, they're ultimately successful. But Paul doesn't just say that we're conquerors. He says that we're more than conquerors. We are greater than conquerors. So how are we greater than the greatest conqueror that has ever existed? Than the greatest battlefield magician that did wonderful things? Every conqueror at some point in time will meet their maker, so to speak. Right? Nobody stays on top forever. Does not happen. Either A, you get conquered, or you die. Regardless, you're going to lose in the end. Unless you conquer through Christ Jesus. So in that respect, we'll never be defeated. We will never die like an unbeliever dies with no security of moving on. But that's not the case for earthly conquerors. They all have met and will meet their demise. In addition, conquerors deal with fear. Because in the back of their minds, there's this little notion or idea, I may lose this. I may not win. This may be the one time whenever we don't win this battle. But Paul's telling us we should never have that doubt. We should never have that question because we're going to win the battle no matter what. It's a done deal. God is the one that is in charge of it. Thus, we cannot lose. So there shouldn't be that fear in our minds that we may do something to screw up this battle that we find ourselves in. In addition, a conqueror's enemies are always working against them. Always working against them. And you say, well, I have enemies. We have enemies that are working against us. What did 828 tell us a few months ago? 
They're not really working against us. Even though they think they are, God's transforming everything so that it's working for our good. So you see the beauty in the evil that goes on that we deal with. It's actually for our good. It's working for us to benefit us, to ensure our eternity. An earthly conqueror can't even begin to fathom that notion. That does not happen. So when God's in control of all of this and he's, he's making good out of bad, and I'm going to leave that. I'm not going to go back and rehash it. You all know what I mean. But whenever he's doing that, there is no way that we can lose. There's no way that we can be defeated. There is no way that something can steal our eternity. And in that, we are more than conquerors. There are things that can happen to conquerors that absolutely cannot happen to us. Because God has seen to it that we are more than conquerors. But we're only more than conquerors through whom? Him who loved us through Jesus. We're not going to get there on our own. And we must never lose sight of that. Sometimes when we're in the battle, sometimes it can feel kind of lonely. And it can feel like I'm only in this by myself. I'm the one that's fighting what goes on between my ears, what works its way out in my hands or my tongue. I'm all alone. No, you're only more than a conqueror through Christ who loves us. He gives us the power to control this little muscle that's in between this cage of teeth that does a whole lot of damage to ourselves and everybody around us. It is through Him that we are able and capable of being more than conquerors. The minute we forget that it's only through Him, then we are much less than conquerors. But that ensures our ultimate victory. Christ Jesus does. He is the sole reason that we are to grasp, hang on to, quote these passages this morning. Use them as our own. What an amazing couple of verses, right? What beautiful couple of verses. And I know that many of you have quoted these. You've got these memorized. You turn to them often. There are certain passages. 28 was another one. 38 is one. You, you come to these and you just try to wrap your hand, head around how big they are. They're way too big for me to be talking about them. These are foundational to Christianity. I mean, the beauty of these words is unimaginable. And to think of the the millions, if not billions, of people that have gotten comfort over these two verses throughout the history of the church. And yet we sat in here this morning and they still provide comfort to us. They still provide security to to us. For I am sure, Paul says, the old King James says, For I am convinced there is no doubt in my mind. 
I know as well as I'm alive and breathing air that the words I'm about to tell you are the truth. I am convinced. And he begins another list of things and or people who cannot separate us from the love of God. And again, we have to equate that love of God with eternity because that is the ultimate culmination of it. He begins with death, but neither death nor life. Why does he begin with death? Usually you say life or death, but here Paul's saying death nor life. Well, right back up above in verse 36, he was telling us that we are killed all the day long, like lambs, sheep to the slaughter. He's telling us death's coming. Death's coming. It's knocking on all of our doors. But that cannot separate us from eternal life. It cannot separate us from God's love. Unlike the rest of the world, unlike conquerors who lose everything upon death, we gain everything upon death. We gain everything on death. But the world doesn't see it that way. They lose it all on death. That's the difference faith makes in our lives. Death is a difficult time because we're separated from those that we love, but we know that we gain everything. Death cannot separate us from the love of God. Paul even said, I wish to go on and be with Christ. That that would be better. That's what I want to do. He wanted to die because he was convinced he knew what that meant and what the future held with him in Christ Jesus. We have to focus on the fact that God loves us while we're living. God loves us while and through we are dying and God loves us after we've left this earth. Nothing, life, going through, or death, can separate us from His love and from His eternal life. Nor angels, nor rulers. In a couple lines, you're going to hear Paul mention powers. You see at the very end of this verse. Colossians 2.15 says, When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. There is no evil force out there that can separate you from the love of God. There is no evil force out there that can steal your eternity. And as you've heard me say before, I am aware that Satan exists. I believe that he exists. I don't spend a lot of time worrying about him because he does not have the power to steal my eternity. I spend a lot of time worrying about my actions, what I say, what I do. That's my focus. 
And yet you see some people that all they're ever worried about is rebuking Satan. I need to rebuke my tongue most of the time. Because he doesn't have the power except what God gave him. And God didn't give him the power to steal his love from me. There's no angel. There is no demon. There is no dark force out there that can separate us from God's love and eternal life. Present or things to come. There is nothing going on right now, no matter how bad it may be, that can steal our eternity. Nothing. There's nothing that's going to be going on tomorrow, no matter how bad it may be, that's going to be able to steal your eternity. A lot of Christians worry. They think, well, what if some scenario would happen where someone had a gun on me and told me to renounce Jesus and I wasn't, or die, and I just wasn't strong enough to do that? God's grace gets you through moment by moment, folks. You are here this morning, not on your own accord, but on God's grace. So whatever situation you get put in, all you can do is trust His grace. He has saved you. He has sealed you. He's going to get you through whatever difficult time it may be. And know that there is nothing in the future that's going to be able to steal your eternity with Him through Christ Jesus. Nor things to come, nor powers, verse 39, nor height, nor depth. There's no power lurking in the depths, nor is there some power in the heavens that can separate us from eternal life, from the love of God. Psalms 139, 7 and 8. The psalmist says, Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If, my, if I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. God's grace, God's love is everywhere. And there is nothing high or low, far or wide, that can separate us from His love. And finally, He throws a catch-all in, right? He's like, if you haven't caught what I'm trying to tell you so far, I'm paraphrasing Paul. If you haven't caught what I've tried to tell you so far, there's nothing else in all creation that can separate you from the love of God which culminates in eternal life. Nothing else in all of creation. That sort of covers everything, doesn't it? That's sort of the the end of it all. John 10, 29, the words of Christ, My Father who has given them to me is greater than them all, and no one is able to snatch them from my Father's hand. There are those who will read this and agree with it and say, yeah, but I can jump out of that hand. I can jump out of that hand. And my response is, well, let's go back to verse 30 and let's look at verse 30 again. He foreknew in verse 29, and those he foreknew he predestined, and those he predestined he calls, and those he calls he justifies, and those he justifies he's glorified. How many people does he lose 
in this chain? How many people jump out in the middle of this chain? How many people wake up and say, oh, I don't love God anymore. I'm jumping away. I'm out. None. None. I say that not to make you overconfident such that you live a devilish lifestyle. That's not the incentive at all. I say that to make you confident to be able to love God without a worry that I'm going to walk away tomorrow. Without a worry that I'm going to have a bonfire and burn my Bible and say that I don't believe. The ability to love freely without worry is a beautiful thing. It's the ability to truly, truly love. And that's why Paul's telling us this. So that we can love without a constant hand wringing of Oh my gosh, I just had a horrible thought. Is God going to send me to hell for that? No. No. Because he just said there's nothing else in all of creation that can steal our eternity. This is the ultimate whenever you think about it. John says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all were not of us. So, two options. Someone walks away, two options. First option is, they never were Christian. Second option is, they coming back. One of those two things is at play. One of those two things is always at play. As I close, these are beautiful, wonderful, big, big theology passages. Remember these. I'm sure that most of you do. Memorize these. Quote these to yourselves over and over and over. Use them in good times and use them in difficult times because that's why they're here. They're not here just to read passing through. They're here for our comfort, for our enjoyment, for our security. More than anything, make sure that they apply to you. Make sure that you're one of the ones he talks about in verse 28, that you love God, that you're called according to his purpose, that you're in that chain that takes you from predestination to glorification. Know that above all things. And it's almost with a sad heart as I wrap this up that this is the end of the eighth chapter of the book of Romans. John Piper calls it the great eight. As I've said, I agree that this is the greatest chapter in the entire Bible. What beauty we have seen in and through it. I feel like we could start all over again and not cover the same topics, but I'll not put you all through that. But it is sad because that eighth chapter is the culmination. But at the same time, we've got a lot more to look forward to. Those of you that know that ninth chapter know that what you've got ready in store is big. 
because it's going to challenge us, it's going to stretch us, it's going to cause us to try to wrap our minds around God's, and that doesn't work out very well. But that's what we're going to attempt to do. So while it is with a heavy heart that we wrap up chapter 8, it is with excitement that I, or we will begin next week on chapter 9. But know this as you leave here this morning. There is nothing that you, me, anybody else that has ever existed or ever will exist or anything that can separate us from the love of God through Christ Jesus, which is eternal life. Amen? Let us pray. Most gracious God, Lord, we thank you for these magnificent passages that you've given us, Father, to be able to sear in our hearts and minds, passages that we can quote in good times and in bad. Lord, we thank you that you've given us such security in our salvation, that we can love you freely, that we don't have to sit around worrying, wringing our hands that something we may say or something we may do may steal our eternity, but that is secure. But Father, at the same time, let us seek you, seek to be more Christ-like in all that we do, that we never use that security as an excuse for sinfulness. We use it as an opportunity to love. We pray, Lord, that you were glorified here this morning. May our lives reflect your glory to everyone we come in contact with. For it's in Christ's precious name we pray. Amen.